0: Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. The Red Panda Chronicles The Gift, Part 1 December, 1939 The sun hung low, suspended in the cold December air like it were mired in the early snow rather than shrouded in clouds. To the north, the towers of downtown gleamed in the dying light as if made of pure gold. The streets of the portlands to the south held no such illusions. They were gray and grimy and empty of all but a misfortunate few who huddled under tattered rags of coats and stayed because they had no place else to go. They alone were there to hear the roar of the mighty engines approaching. The echoes played around the concrete walls and seemed for a time to come from everywhere at once. All of that changed in an instant when a truck blazed through the intersection at breakneck speed. "'making the turn from the west so hard it leaned up on two wheels for an instant "'before slamming back down and racing away again in a cloud of smoke and rubber. "'The truck was large and plain. "'It was shaped like a paddy wagon, "'but bore no indications that might be mistaken for a police vehicle. "'Indeed, it had no markings of any kind. "'It was pistol-gray and seemed to almost blend into the streets and walls of the city as it moved.' "'Were it not traveling in such a hurry, "'it was unlikely that anyone would have had any inclination "'to notice it at all, which was surely the point. "'This illusion was broken by the roar of the engine within, "'which was clearly more powerful than one might expect to find "'in any vehicle that came by its nondescript appearance honestly. "'The truck tore forward through the streets, "'racing for the shining towers to the north, "'as two trailing cars made the turn together, "'each struggling to keep pace with the van ahead of them "'and vying with one another for the right to lead the charge.' On the left there was a yellow taxicab, piloted by a thin man with a narrow face that made him look almost ferret-like. A cloth-checked cap was pulled low over his eyes, and a toothpick rolled across his teeth as he smiled at the intensity of the chase he was in. His passenger in the back seat was enjoying himself much less. He was a massive man who clutched the seat in front of him with two hands the size of Christmas hams as his head rattled off the ceiling of the cab with every bump and jostle. For Pete's sake, Ace, the passenger bellowed. Can we get there in one piece, you think? Don't be such a baby, replied Ace Kirby, agent of the Red Panda, waving his hand in the direction of the fleeing truck. Besides, don't tell me, Tank. Tell him. Oh, I will, Tank Brody grumbled as he bounced off the roof again. You just get me close enough and I'll tell him, but good. Atta boy, Kirby said, the grin returning. He had been a getaway driver more than once in his previous career as a small-time criminal. Chasing the getaway car was infinitely more fun than driving it, and he couldn't explain why. The radio of the taxi crackled over the roar of the mighty engine. Certainly this taxicab was no more an ordinary vehicle than the truck it was chasing, and the same could be said for the dark sedan that raced alongside the cab. There were four more agents crammed into that car, with another one on the running board of each side, hanging on for dear life, and every one of them had fought tooth and nail many times in the service of the man in the mask. It wasn't a big army, but it was big enough for the job, Ace knew, if they could just stop that truck. Unit 2, hang back, the radio squawked. Ace Kirby glanced to his right and saw the driver of the second car with a radio in his hand. It was Agent 51, Detective Andy Parker. Kind of a big deal if you spent your days and nights fighting crime. Unit 2, do you read me? Andy says slow down, Tank called from the back seat. Yeah, I didn't copy that, Ace shrugged. "'Shifting gears and roaring ahead. "'Both cars were souped-up models "'belonging to the Red Panda's fleet of vehicles, "'but Parker's car was loaded for bear "'and didn't have a chance of winning this race. "'Ace Kirby knew there was no prize "'for finishing second today. "'They had orders. "'That truck was not to reach the downtown. "'Didn't matter that he didn't know why. "'He had orders, and they didn't come "'from some punk crime boss. "'He served justice now, "'and he aimed to serve it hot and fresh.' "'What are you doing?' Tank bellowed as the cab roared past the truck they were chasing as if it were standing still. "'Stopping that truck!' Kirby shouted over his shoulder as he fought to get every foot further ahead. "'He'll double back!' Tank protested. "'Then I'll catch him again,' came the reply. "'Or Andy and Mac will!' "'Okay, genius!' Brody hollered, looking back. "'We're ahead of him. Now what?' "'Now this!' Ace said, slamming on the brakes and making a hard right, "'swerving the back of the car to block the narrow roadway.' A block behind, the truck rolled on. Unit 2, what are you doing? The radio crackled. Winning, Ace Kirby grinned without touching the radio. The truck was half a block away now. If anything, he was going faster. He ain't stopping, Ace, Tank called. He'll stop, Ace nodded sagely. Brody threw his door open and struggled to climb out quickly. Ace, he said urgently. Ah, oh, biscuits, Ace Kirby said, opening his own door. An instant later, the two agents leapt in opposite directions as the gray truck plowed through the taxi cab as if it weren't even there. It left behind a crushed shell of twisted steel, like the armored car it truly was. Moments later, the second car zipped by the wreckage without slowing down. On his perch on the driver's side running board, Mac Tully was laughing hard enough to leave his grip on the car in some question. Bye-bye, boys, he called into the wind, and he was gone. There was a moment of utter silence as their ears adjusted to the absence of engine noise. Well, looks like we're walking, Ace shrugged. You're dead, you know, Tank said, brushing himself off slowly. You don't scare me, you big softy, Ace said, popping a fresh toothpick in his mouth. I mean her, Brody said with a growl. Her, Kirby said horrified. He had forgotten about the flying squirrel. You think she... She takes these cars kind of personal, Tank said with a chuckle as he started to jog in the direction the chase had taken. But I wasn't... (laughs) I had to... Kirby whined. Come on, tough guy, Tank called over his shoulder. Work they ain't done yet. Far ahead, the gray paddy wagon seemed to have lost some of its zip crushing Ace's cab, and Parker's team was closing the gap, with only a few blocks to go before the dueling vehicles reached the financial district. "'Get me closer!' Mac Tully shouted toward the driver's window, gripping the frame as tightly as he could with his right hand while pulling his pistol with his left. "'You know what happens if you miss?' Parker shouted back, knowing full well that Mac was not left-handed. "'Who says I'm going to miss?' Tully protested an instant before realizing that Parker was drifting into the far lane, blocking the angle for Mac's shot. "'Hey, what gives?' he called into the car. "'Anthony!' Parker shouted to the man on the passenger side running board. "'You get one crack at this!' The other man was skinny, not much more than a kid, with long, lanky limbs that gripped the frame of the thundering sedan like a spider. He peeled his right hand free and drew the longest pistol that any one of the agents had ever seen and leveled it toward the rear tire of the gray truck rocketing ahead of them. MacTully's grin showed that he didn't take the move personally. In fact, this was a trick that he never got tired of watching. "'Now would be good, Anthony,' Parker called as the truck roared into an intersection." There was not much left of the right rear tire on the fleeing vehicle after the first bullet cut through it, but Anthony put five more shots into it neat as a pin as fast as he could. The truck shuddered and lurched, almost rolling before recovering, but still losing control and tearing toward an empty lot on the northwest corner of the intersection, mounting the concrete barriers that had been placed to prevent it from turning into a de facto parking lot and landing with a heavy bang that might have been an axle breaking. The car full of agents shouted and hooted their congratulations all of them looking more delighted than Anthony himself, who leaned away from the body of the decelerating sedan and spat in apparent quiet satisfaction. "'Keep it together, boys,' Parker called, and he brought his car to as graceful a stop as he could. "'We've still got business, and we're two men down.' "'Driver's breaking for it,' Mac said as he stepped off the running board. "'I don't think so,' Parker corrected as he opened the driver's door and stepped out, taking in their surroundings quickly. "'They were still clear of bystanders, but that wouldn't last.' and his fellow policemen would arrive at the accident site before long, and he would just as soon be gone before that happened. The driver of the truck was staggering at the rear of the truck, and Parker had also thought at first glance he was looking for cover, possibly to shoot it out. It quickly became clear, however, that was not the man's intent. He was opening the rear doors of the paddy wagon. "'Get ready!' Parker shouted. "'I'm ready for anything,' Mac promised as the first of many shadowy forms emerged from the hold of the truck. It was a tall, plump man— dressed in a fine Santa Claus costume with a blank stare in his eyes. "'Ho, ho, ho,' the man droned robotically as he stepped out onto the uneven ground of the vacant lot. "'Okay,' Mac said with a shrug. "'Anything except that.' The agents looked back and forth between one another, profoundly uncertain what was to happen next, as a second Santa appeared in the doorway and lumbered mechanically down the gangplank, followed by a third. "'Ho, ho, ho,' The Santas droned in one voice as more appeared behind them, and they began to shuffle, step awkwardly in different directions. "'If this is a joke, I'm not laughing,' Parker announced to no one in particular. "'There were eight Santas on the ground now, getting their bearings as best they could, and shuffling away from the van and one another in the process. A ninth Santa joined them, and then a tenth. The tenth looked a little worse for wear, as if he had been thrown around by the crash. His beard was askew, and his hat and coat were missing.' which made it considerably more obvious that he was wearing a belt made of a dozen sticks of TNT and what appeared to be a built-in detonating device. Andy, Max said as calmly as he could, gripping his automatic tighter. I see him, Parker nodded, drawing his own pistol. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, the Santa said in one voice, spreading a little further afield slowly. Should somebody shoot that driver? Anthony asked calmly, reloading and appearing disinterested in everything else. The driver, who had clearly hoped the small army of Santa bombs would provide cover for his escape, stumbled as he turned to run back toward the road. He picked himself up and ran again, looking back as he staggered over the rough ground. "'Flesh wound in the leg, Anthony,' Parker said, not looking back. "'Roger that,' Anthony nodded as he fired. The driver dropped and wailed, gripping the back of his thigh as he rolled in the dust on the cold, hard ground. "'He's probably got a false tooth full of cyanide,' Mac warned. "'Yep.' Andy nodded. Get it out before he remembers. Mac moved quickly to where the driver lay groaning. It all felt very efficient, but none of it helped with the immediate problem of what to do with the alarming quantity of lethal Chris Kringles. Chief said nothing gets past us. Parker said, slipping the safety off his pistol. Nothing means nothing. Parker could imagine what would happen if these human bombs found their way onto the crowded streets of downtown. He knew that wherever they went, children and families would run toward them, full of joy of the season only to be torn to pieces by the explosives. The men in the suits appeared to be hypnotized or drugged somehow. Perhaps they were innocent, but could he ask his men to take the risk? To tackle human bombs physically? The first of the Santas was getting close to the edge of the vacant lot. If they got away... "'Stop!' a voice like thunder called from high above, and Eddie Parker exhaled, grateful that the burden of command had been taken from his shoulders." It's them, one of the other agents called, but everyone already knew that the masked crime-fighters they all served had arrived in the nick of time, as per usual. A piece of the lengthening shadows seemed to break from the building high above and took on the shape of a man in grey, who swung toward them on a length of rope. An instant later a graceful, heart-stopping shape fell from the sky gently, pulling the gliding membranes back into her costume as she did so. Which of you idiots trashed my taxicab? The flying squirrel asked like she already knew what the answer was and just wanted to know if they would tell her the truth. Me! Ace Kirby gasped for breath as he caught up at last, with Tank Brody a short distance behind, panting hard. The Santas are bombs, Parker warned. They'll kill hundreds! The man in grey turned toward the nearest Santa impassively. Ho, 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 the Santa said without expression. Sleep, the red panda ordered the white eyes in his crimson mask blazing with unearthly light. The fat, bearded man dropped gently to the ground, and an instant later the rest of his cohorts did the same, falling in their tracks without so much as another ho, ho, ho. "'What did I miss?' Tank Brody gasped as he arrived at the wrecked truck. "'The Santas are bombs,' Ace said, still-winded. "'That is the weirdest thing you ever said to me,' Brody grumbled. "'Tank!' the red panda called from across the field. I want to know everything that driver knows by the time I'm done with these bombs. Tank looked down at the driver, his leg wound bound but bleeding, and one of his teeth hastily extracted by Mac Tully. Tank shook his head and lifted the man up by the scruff of his neck, throwing him easily into the back of the truck with a single mighty toss. You are just not having a good day, he said sadly, following him into the back of the truck, rolling up his sleeves as he did so. The flying squirrel flashed a dazzling smile at her partner as he leaned in to diffuse the first of many bombs. And God bless us, everyone, she said. You can listen to classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network.